Episode 1123, Kooky Christmas, Joy to the Flat World. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben DiVono, and just when you think Kooky Christmas is over, Santa stops by with one more... Tasty treat. I, I got, this is going to be a tasty treat this, of an this, episode. This, this is whether you like or hate Kooky Christmas, and we have gotten both, which I but kind not, of... What? Not really. I feel like almost universally loved. Uh, I, there's one example I'll tell you about. Off the uh, air? Off the air. Okay. But yeah, so I, I kind of love that, it, that this annoys people. This episode is unlike anything else we've done, because... We are about to bring on to the air a listener who has reached out to us, and we'll hear the whole story here, but at least partly under my influence has become a flat earther, or is at least uh, what I like to call pie curious. Yeah, you've used that phrase, and I don't don't exactly understand what you mean. Because pies are flat. Not really. Well, I mean, like, like... yeah, they're flat. Whatever. I don't think so. Yes, they're not a what sphere. Kind of, what kind of name a pie you like? Just name I like any apple pie. Think about it. How flat is that? Okay, apple but, pie? The, but and we'll, we'll get into the cosmology in just a second. But like the flat Earth cosmology is not. Uh, it's not like paper thin. At least I don't think so. We're about to find out. Yeah. But anyway, so we're gonna bring this person on. Um, when you say you think it's due to you, is it because I, I was thinking back to our episode from 2019? I remember that. I remember it well. I think we recorded it in April, released it in May, 2019. Well, we'll, we'll let them share. We'll let uh, our is, listeners is share the story. But does, it, I can't remember. Does the listener story have to do with that episode? Well, I don't know if it does that one specifically. But he he's talked about when we were messaging how there's some SFC influence on here. So, like, just to put my cards on the table, I am not a flat earther. I do oh. enjoy pretending to be. I just want to at least give the reference. And in this episode, episode 718. We talked about the flat earth theory. It's called the flat earth flattery. And you didn't necessarily come off as a flat earther, but you didn't not come off well, as exactly. a flat earther. I enjoy LARPing as a flat earther. And what and for our listener, as we're about to bring you on, um, I will say there's one part of this that I'm actually very upset about, and it's that I now have to be the voice of reason. And I don't want to be the voice of reason. I enjoy making people think that I'm the flat earther. So this is putting me in a very uncomfortable position. But let's bring on uh, Ronald. Well, I do want to bring Ronald on, but first I was going to okay. say, Kooky Christmas listeners was over here on the main It was feed. over. We had nothing it else was, planned. But no, this is an emergency exclusive episode. Ronald, take it away. Tell us all about yourself. Well, don't, actually. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, everyone. Uh, long-time listener. Uh, occasional caller, but uh, I'm excited to be on here. Appreciate the invite. I love Kooky Christmas. I really enjoyed the uh, Flat Earth Flattery episode from three, four years ago. At the time, as a globe birther, I found it really funny, and now it's become an important text in my development. <laughs> No, we should explain why you're on here anonymously. Uh, I I think I was maybe the most insistent on that because uh, like, here's the thing. Uh, from my perspective, and it was kind of interesting when you messaged us because it was like you, you you could tell you were nervous about confessing this. And I, I get that because 
in today's internet-driven society, this is like the worst possible opinion that you can have according to the internet, which is insane. Like, that's absolutely insane. So we wanted to have the conversation, but I didn't want you to be in a position where you could potentially put your career at jeopardy or, you know, just get somebody who's just ultra zealous about this. And it's like, this is, according to the internet, the ultimate litmus test on intelligence and everything. And that's just insane. Like, it makes no difference, none at all, if somebody you know is a flat earther. Doesn't make any difference. If you're if your dentist is like cleaning your teeth and and he's like, Oh, by the way, you know, the earth is flat, you're like, you know, you're gonna let him finish the job. Like this is insane the way that we act like this is some grave moral failing by people believing this. So I think it's insane that we have to bring you on anonymously, but I, I'm glad that we're doing that because people are nuts. All right. So um, I thought what would be fun to start with here is why don't we each state our high level position and give a percentage of confidence in this? And and Ronald, would you like I mean, you'll dive into the whole thing in a minute, but go, go ahead and kick us off as our guest. Yeah, in brief, and yeah, you're going to hear more about Flat Earth than you ever cared to in a moment, but uh, the high-level view looking down on our Earth is that it is indeed flat, like a disc, not a globe, and I'm probably at this point, I would say, around 90% confident. Wow, that's more confident than I expected. That's more than pie curious. That is, like, you, you are diving, <laughs> you are into the pie. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i salute the the pride of your convictions uh matthew what is your and you're, you're welcome to give like we can even end the episode by just giving your percentage after yeah but well, where are you at yeah we'll see if you can convince me but for now i'm very very low uh when it comes to my the probability of there being a flat earth i mean i would say i mean you hate to say zero when we have a guest on. Yeah, I'm not going to say zero. So I'll just say 1%. I think it's a 1% chance that... But your position is that you are... I'm I'm uh, open to the idea. I'm open to being proven wrong, but my understanding is we live on a sphere-like planet. On the outside, because people oh. recall in the previous Kooky Christmas episode, Joy to the Inverted World, we've covered multiple cosmologies here, so that's why I want you to state your position. Because yeah, so you could be the inverted world oh, represented. I guess there. I believe in the traditional globe. Yeah, just big old ball. And what's your space. So yeah, I mean you said one is too low, one percent's too low. What are you at? Well I'm I'm a spherist. Um and I would say I'm ninety five percent confident in that. And oh, most so, of so that I I, I was ninety nine percent confident. So you are only so you think there's let, a five percent chance. But hang on, let me we, explain. Let me explain. Because you can't just look at this one issue like hovering over all of this is do we live in a simulation because oh if gosh. we do you know all bets are off on what that cosmology would be in in the actual real world so i'm saying five percent because i think there's at least a five percent chance we live in a simulation and then who knows what the percentages are are from there uh but if we're not in a simulation yeah i'd say you know 
98, 99%. So we're all very confident in our it, opinions. Yeah, in our opinions. Okay. So I, I think that's good to just kind of help us level set. So, you know, obviously, one other thing, just by, by way of preamble before we, and then I want, I really want to hear from uh, Ronald um, in depth on uh, cosmology, how you got here, all of that stuff. But like people are going to be, uh, you know, ready for us to to debate and get into the science. And let me just say, those are two things I have no interest in doing in this episode. First of all, debates are stupid because all debate tells you is who's the better debater, and and that's dumb and that has no value. So I'm interested in having a discussion. I'm not really interested in changing anybody's mind because again, it doesn't matter. Um, but debates are just a waste of time. And then number two, like none of us are scientists. Okay. So none of us are qualified to like to understand the advanced maths that would be involved in all of this. And so the scientific arguments, I mean, you're welcome to like, if there's stuff you found compelling, uh, don't let me stop you from, from sharing it, Ronald. But from my perspective, like, we just start sharing that. It's like, well, I read this on the internet and you read that on the internet. We just start fighting this science war by proxy. And I just, I find that so uninteresting with, with this. So I don't, I'm not going to get into and any of my counter points. Uh, and I have some, I have no interest in getting into the science, but with that do, said, uh, take us away. Say agreed and and any uh, any math slash science I use as a, as at a pretty basic level, so I'm with you on that. Awesome. So, uh, why don't you walk us through your journey? And somewhere along the way, I really do want to hear your full cosmology to the extent you figured it out. Like, if you don't have stuff that you've you've thought through, that's fine. I'm not interested in gotchas, but Earth is flat. But I also want to hear about the rest of it, and and sure. especially. Especially, sorry, then I'll stop. Especially, I'm very curious, what is under the flat Earth? Oh, so I, I am going to want no. an answer to that before we're done. But you take it away. Absolutely. So, yes, uh, history on this. Uh, I'll, I'll take it back quite a ways. I, I was a kid that really loved learning about outer space. I, I had a Lego model of the space shuttle on the launch pad. I, I was the sort of kid that would check out piles of books on outer space and the solar system from the library. I even remember drawing the Voyager 1 and 2 space probes. I, I, I drew their journey around the solar system. I, I loved all that stuff. And I was also really into stargazing, which has continued into adulthood. So where I would say the inception of this idea really began a number of years ago when I was looking up at the sky like I often do and looking at the moon in particular and saw something interesting. And it was a crescent moon and a star appeared to be shining through the unilluminated side of the moon. And it was so close to the crescent that it wasn't possible that the star could be past the moon. It was clearly in what we'll call the middle of the moon, shining through it. And it was incredibly beautiful for one, but right away the brain starts working and, and saying, well, th that's not possible. If, if the moon is a solid sphere object, then nothing should be able to shine through it in, in that sort of way. So started rationalizing, maybe it's a satellite or the ISS, but I stared for what felt to be a good 15 minutes just watching this and nothing moved. It looked just like any other star in the sky. And 
I was perplexed and uh, after an hour or so kind of forgot about it, tried to do a little research, didn't see much that would cause this phenomenon. Later, I found out more recently that this actually has been an observed phenomenon throughout history. But at the time, I, I wasn't sure what to make of it. So I'll, I'll call that the inception of the idea. Uh, so then fast forward a few years. Can, can, to, I, can I pause for just uh, yeah, one? Yeah, go ahead. And uh, uh, this is your story. It led you to the flat earth. But I'm a little shocked as a moon connoisseur that it didn't lead you to to some of the finer points of moonology you know the moon being a hologram or something like that yeah man moon news moon news like i feel a little betrayed by this part of the story it's journey, so it's fair but but the moon it's about the moon like obviously the moon's fake anyway continue <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you just you just saw uh, sorry matt go ahead i i, I want to come back to you i want you to continue with your statement there but since we're paused anyways i don't quite understand so I don't, uh, I don't do a lot of stargazing myself, and so I don't know the significance of what you were just describing. So after you're done responding to Ben, why was it strange that the star well, and the moon? Because the star would be stars are on the other side of the moon, like the moon should be blocking the star. I mean, I'm there's no question. Like what you're describing, very weird. So I'm I'm on board with all sorts right, of crazy conspiracy. But the moon, but the, 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 it's still there just because the rest of it isn't visible. I see what you're saying. So we can, you could see it inside where the moon was. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Yep. So um, right at the moment that Ben interrupted is when I was going to acknowledge then the SFC influence, including <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's something up with the moon. The moon's weird, man. Uh, moon math. I'm, I'm into all of it. Uh, but so that, that was one part of it. But truly, I'll, I'll say of even more influence on me in recent years truly has been the kooky Christmas series, which I'm honored to be a part of now. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say I think it's some of the best material that's ever been done on the show. Truly. I mean, right up there with the literary deep dives, the Catholic episodes, uh, the Dundies on the uncensored feed. I mean, the, all uh, the duties. I'll just duties. The duties. Oh, did I say Dundies? Dang it. Yes. Screwed up. Duties. <laughs> Um, but so the sleep paralysis episode I, I shared with uh, a number of uh, friends when that came out, the Clockwork Elves, but specifically the Atlantis episode last year really uh, took me on a bit of a trip. That's when I listened through twice, uh, shared uh, with friends and family, and I was just so interested in this notion that the progression of humanity may not be as simple as Stone Age Neanderthals and this linear progression to our advanced modern age, but rather this idea that there was a golden age in our history with potentially highly advanced knowledge of the heavens, of construction techniques and harnessing frequencies and energy and all this kind of wild stuff in the golden age of humanity. And rather than being a linear progression, maybe the ancients were far more advanced than we give them credit for. And so because of the SFC, I've been on this journey of rethinking ancient history, rethinking mythology, rethinking the possibility of interdimensional intelligence, even from the most recent episode, thinking about the existence of lower G gods as being you know, powerful beings, not, of course, on the level of the creator god, but beings of some sort that exist. And so in the midst of all this, this journey that the SFC has played a large role in taking me on, uh, came across uh, some chatter uh, about a great biblical creation debate, it was called, and it was between a flat earth pastor and a non 
Latter Earth Pastor. And when I heard about this, initially, like most people, I rolled my eyes uh, because I assumed that anyone who believed in Flat Earth was either one, a troll, uh, to someone who's so far down the conspiracy rabbit hole that they've lost any sort of grasp of reality, or three, a fundamentalist Christian. And still, I, I watched the video out of curiosity, and I was surprised because the Flat Earth pastor, rather than immediately appealing to scripture, gave about 90 minutes uh, worth of evidence of testimonials and observation, experiments, philosophical arguments. And I'll be honest, I left the video kind of stunned because I'd never heard any of this before. And that prompted me to go on what has probably been the biggest deep dive of my life on any particular topic. And at some point during this deep dive, the scales started to tip, and I found the evidence, to be quite frankly, pretty overwhelming. And it was weird, and it felt like I was going crazy. But it was also becoming difficult to deny what I consider to be uh, pretty compelling evidence. So I'll pause there. No, I like it's a wild journey, and I love that... I play such a large part in it. Well, Matt, Matt too. But I mean, I, I'm responsible for the uh, kooky Christmas material by and large. So I, I'm deeply honored, uh, even though I don't agree with your conclusion. <laughs> I'm so deeply honored that <laughs> that I've created a flat earther, and I hope people recognize. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I hope people recognize as you're talking. Like you went through, you know, the, you're this conspiracy, you know, you're either conspiracy not to your, um, you know, you're, you're nuts or you're, you're fundamentalist Christian. Like you're not those things who you are. And obviously we're keeping you anonymous, but, but you are a very intelligent person. You're a very well-read person. Um, you know, people can come to, uh, this conclusion and, and the rest of us are welcome to roll our eyes. But I hope part of what people can take away from this is not being, dismissive of people with kooky beliefs which is and i say kooky here with great affection because that was the original mission of kooky christmas was to help us all cultivate some kooky beliefs and i believe i've succeeded beyond my wildest dreams <laughs> in this moment um so oh, go ahead so I was going to say, so so speaking of kooky beliefs, you would ask to lay out the cosmology, and, and I can do that uh, in brief and certainly ask questions a, as you'd like. So um, it's it's probably not going to be earth-shattering, so to speak, material as, as I go through this, but um, it's the cosmology would be earth as a stationary plane, not, not a globe. Uh, in, in this model, Antarctica is not a continent at the bottom of the globe, but rather is an ice wall surrounding yes! the Earth. I, I'm so happy that, that like, I wanted the ice wall to come up. Like, the ice wall is one of my favorite features of flat Earth theory, so this is great. Excellent. Yeah, so I, I'm right in line. Uh, ice wall, it contains the oceans. Uh, how far does the ice extend? Very common question in flat Earth groups. And the problem I'm glad you added that last part, because I was going to say that is not a common question. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you don't mind some gentle teasing with this. I think no, you're up for I, it. I would expect nothing less. Okay. Than, yeah, yeah. The, not a common question among the general populace, but <laughs> certainly in, in quarters of the internet. Yes, in, in this particular corner, we wonder. And part of the problem is we don't know. And this is where, unfortunately, you get some of the more conspiratorial things happening is because in the 1950s, the UN made a treaty prohibiting 
any private travel south of the 60th latitude. In other words, unless you're part of the government or government contractor, you are not permitted to visit Antarctica or even really get anywhere close to it. So at the moment, there's no very uh, easy way to determine just how far uh, that, that expansive land goes. Um, on the opposite end, well, not opposite, but in the middle of this cosmology, you have the North Pole at the center. Uh, now, what's interesting about the North Pole is that there are some maps in the 1500s dated even as late as the 1700s that include the North Pole, but they also have four different land masses, almost like really small continents surrounding the North Pole itself. In fact, the Mercator uh, created a map. Mercator is one of the most famous map makers. He included uh, these four land masses. And in the middle of these land masses is a mountain, a polar mountain, with, uh, by lore, uh, some believe is has magnetic properties, and that's why uh, the compasses work the way that they do. So the compass points north to the magnetized mountain at the center. Anything that is not pointed north is then by extension south. Instead of a south pole, it would be everywhere along the outer wall would be considered south. Uh, the rest, uh, you know, you asked what's under the earth. I, I hate to be boring with this, but because this is still relatively new for me and because, quite frankly, there it's hard to find uh, genuine research for a number of <laughs> reasons in this area, I would just default to biblical cosmology. So uh, stationary earth, dome firmament, waters above and below, celestial luminaries rotating above. Uh, this gets pretty wild if, if you're not familiar with this view, but the sun and the moon uh, would be far more local than we would normally think rather than 93 million miles away for the sun and 238,000 miles for the moon, uh, more local actually within uh, the confines of the firmament. Uh, the sun itself would start in the northern latitudes, tropical cancer, make its uh, circle daily, but in the process would gradually increase in size its concentric circles until it reached the equator and finally the Tropic of Cap Capricorn and the southern latitudes and then begin to make its way back north and that is what accounts for the seasons in this cosmology. And that's about it, but I'm open to questions. I have a question. Yeah. I'm curious on why there would be a conspiracy around this. So, for example, if oh, this, big one. If this yeah. is true... Why is there a cover-up? Yeah, I, I can maybe provide some insight on that. And I thought maybe that would be a sort of question we'd tackle at the end, but happy to address it now. Um, so if the Earth is a globe and spinning and revolving the way it does, doesn't really change my faith whatsoever, the faith of anyone. I mean, I, <laughs> I believe globe for 99% of my life, so it, it really doesn't change much in that regard. However, if it were, let's say crazy, you know, low percentage, but let's say I happen to be right on this and the other flat earthers do, it suddenly, I think, changes everything. It moves us away from a solely materialistic universe created by pure accident and chance and we are one of trillions of possible planets in the cosmos spinning and hurtling around with no real aim or purpose ultimately resulting in the heat death of the universe or expanding so far that there can never be contact with one another and no light to be all these hor horrifying things to consider that's essentially 
the narrative you have uh, if, if, if you don't believe in the existence of God. This model can only point to design and a creator. And if there are powers in this world that are actively in opposition to a creator, I can think of no more insidious worldview than to propose one and perpetuate one that completely seemingly removes the need for a creator. So I, I do want to come back to questions like that at the end, but I'm not sure that I necessarily would agree that this points to a creator. It certainly okay. points to a very different world, very, very different world. It would, you know, you're right. It would change everything, but I don't know that you wouldn't like, if this is true, uh, like, let's just say, you know, in my dream scenario, and I am serious, would nothing would make me happier because of the collective explosion of heads that would take place. But, but you know, Joe Biden addresses the nation tomorrow night. He's in the Oval Office. It's like, guys, I, I assume that's what he would say. It calls for a more informal tone. Guys, the earth is flat. It is completely, it is a pancake. Uh, you know, and then everybody ah, loses their mind and he gives the evidence to everything. Like, I don't think atheism disappears. And I don't think that, you know, it obviously changes, but I don't think that everybody is like, well, that that proves that there is a God. I I, I just it, it might take time to, to sort itself out. Certainly there are people who would have that reaction, uh, but I don't I don't know that I see that as plausible that atheism would just melt in the face of of this being true. That, that's a fair that's a fair point and that likely was an overstatement by me however what it would point to is a drastically uh drastically having to reevaluate materialist origins in other words if if the flat earth was proven demonstrated to be true it comes out then what everything we understand about how the earth was formed and solar systems and galaxies and stars everything else would be by necessity, seem to have to be thrown out and starting from square one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for, for sure on that. I totally agree. It, it changes everything. Um, yeah. Uh, I am curious, because I know when we were talking back and forth, and I intentionally didn't push on this because I, I wanted to hear more of it when we uh, talked, but I want to hear about planets, because oh. <laughs> you don't believe in planets anymore, correct? <laughs> I, I don't. In fact, in, in our uh, correspondence, uh, a couple of weeks before I came out uh, to you, I I had sent another message in which I put the word planets in quotes. <laughs> so, so I had outed myself kind of low key prior. But um, so planets by the ancients were uh, considered to be wandering stars. And my view on the wandering stars is I don't know exactly what they are. Similar in the same way I don't know exactly what stars are. I would not consider stars to be um, giant sun-like bodies, trillions of miles away, giant you know gas balls. Um, so I would liken the planets that are observed to be more akin to the ancient view of the wandering stars and what they are, these celestial beings, um, I, I, I don't have a great answer for at the moment. But what I would say is uh, they're not our physical sphere objects uh, up there somewhere. And do you put the moon in? Because, I, again, I'm 
The moon is of special interest to the SFC. Is the moon in that boat as well, or what's going on with the moon? Yeah, so to jump back to to the thing that incepted this, the um, the trans, we'll call it maybe parent or translucent nature of the moon would suggest that it is not, in fact, a solid sphere, um, but rather would be a semi-transparent uh, circular luminary. So you're coming out, and I just want to make sure you're going to stand by this, in opposition uh-huh. to the authors of the book, Who Built the Moon? <laughs> I, I, did, I, I did think about this, actually, quite a bit, because I'm such an SFC fan. <laughs> and if if not in opposition, where I, I would say I would probably agree with, 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 that, uh, with that luminary and thinker uh, on a number of points, including the oddities of moon math, um, but ultimately, if if I if I had to draw a line, I would say yes. We we probably did not reach the same conclusions. Okay, so you do not believe that humans traveled back in time to construct the moon. I, I do not hold that position. All right. Well, I appreciate your courage. I, is uh, it okay if I do a follow up question? Please, <laughs> Ronald. I'm just so interested in. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to be specific about this, but. I want to ask the question, then answer in whatever way you feel comfortable. As, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I'm guessing you have some family out there, and as you've shared your beliefs that not only is the Earth flat, but that planets don't exist. Yeah, there's no planets. Moon, pretty transparent. <laughs> it's, it's like fifty-fifty, <laughs> but it, uh, you're not landing on it. And sun. Something, something a little different than we thought. And so these are some, it's, a, it's some different beliefs than you would have previously had. And what has the reaction been from people that are close to you? Or are you um, not? Or are you keeping it a little bit? Like, are we the first people you've told? And I, I don't know if you should feel honored or horrified by this, but but truly, yes, you both are among uh, the first people that I've quote unquote come up to, along with uh, immediate family. And I would say one or two other very, very close friends that I know can let their kook flake fly a little bit as well. Um, just people I feel, <laughs> quite frankly, a little safer with and, and those that I, I, I at least in, in other aspects of my life hold, hold some level of, of credibility. What, with. what um, are the initial responses? Uh, oh, dad. <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> so your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now what's interesting. Uh, just to be clear, I, neither I, Matt or I responded with, oh, dad. <laughs> <laughs> you are not either of our fathers. Well, well he's, he's trying to stay anonymous. Let's that's not true. Yeah, that's, yeah, back off that's of that. True. That's true. So, no, I mean, uh, initial look of shock, maybe mild horror, I would say more than anything else, disappointment, but also perhaps a touch of recognition. Like, oh, there goes dad again. <laughs> off on some crazy, kooky, uh, kooky idea. Oh, Wait, what was um, the word you... Tell- Wait, what was the word you used? Shock? Disappointment, right? Disappointment. Yeah, let's touch on... I want to go back to disappointment. Is that a joke or are you serious? No, I mean... Not disappointment in me as a father, but likely, if I were to be honest, interpreting as how could you fall for that Hmm. is is how I would maybe read the expression, right? Because my kids are very thoughtful, critical thinking, well-read, educated people. And 
they probably immediately thought, oh my goodness, dad, so you see you watched a couple videos online and now you're a flat earth expert. And so uh, looks like looks like we we lost some younger podcast listeners. (laughs) Like if if this is what it does to people. So did they all get just flat earth models under the tree? Is is, They, they they did not, but unprompted from me just the other night, they they started to ask a few questions, maybe in a similar vein that that you both are now. And I truly was not out to try to convince them uh, because I want to save them <laughs> of of that, uh, if if at all possible, that kind of uh, potential social and relational awkwardness. However, uh, I I also wanted to try to explain as best I could where I was coming from. And by the end, they were gleefully running to their sibling saying, guess what? Guess what? The earth is flat. Now, maybe in jest, (laughs) maybe to troll their dad a little bit. And again, I I actually don't know how much I want them to sincerely adopt this view, because uh, as you noted up front, while it shouldn't be the third rail, the the thing that so many people fly off the handle and get all upset about, I I know the reality that can be the case. So I I, I hope you hear this. I, I really am not out to convince my kids or really convince anyone else. I'm just trying to explain how I've arrived at this. Um. One question, and, and this is going to sound tongue in cheek, but I, and it is a little yeah. bit. It is a little bit. Yeah. Like yeah. when you now sit down and watch a movie like Star Wars, and you you see planets, do you, mm-hmm. do you get a little upset? Oh, I don't want to say upset. Um, I've I've dabbled in some creative endeavors myself, and I just consider it all science fiction now. In, in fact, speak, speaking of science fiction, I, I remember as a kid, some a family member knew I was big into uh, astronomy, and they said, "Wow, you're you really like astrology, don't you?" And I got so annoyed inside, like, "You idiots! I I'm not into that fake stuff. I'm into the real science now." I would consider the large swath of astronomical science to, in fact, be of the fiction variety and, and kind of akin to what you were just saying on your most recent kooky episode. Maybe there's more to astrology, not that I'm an astrologist or want to be because I think we're dabbling in things we shouldn't be in astrology. Um, but in my mind, there's more validity to that than mainstream astronomy. Yeah. And, and, and like, this is where I, I am sympathetic, although I don't, don't agree with your conclusion is uh, yeah. A lot of science is just nonsense. We treat it like, like gospel. I think what I got, you know, the part of where that question came from is, is like, I just got this image in my head of you like, sitting on the couch and watching the millennium Falcon taking off and just getting madder and madder <laughs> <laughs> as it flies away. All right. I have, a, I have a question. It's all fantasy. Go ahead. Yep. What's your dream scenario when it comes to proving that this is true? Like if you could do this thing, this would be the way you could prove it. What would be your, what's the scenario where you could make this just like you could show that the truth behind this. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, One, there is one super simple way to shut up flat earthers forever. And it's not NASA. We'll cover NASA maybe later. But um, one simple. (laughs) I like NASA. If I keep going. (laughs) One, One simple test that within the confines of our Earth could be very simply and easily done and documented. And it's this. 
take a plane, fly due south for 24 hours straight, and show us what happens. If the Earth is a globe, you fly due south for 24 hours straight, eventually that compass is going to flip, and you'll just kind of bend your way back and start traveling back up the other side of the hemisphere. If the Earth is flat and there's a vast expanse, then you'll keep going and going until you find who knows what. And that kind of dovetails into what my hope would be is I'm reminded to a degree of the Truman Show. And there's that line when Truman says he wants to be a great explorer and his third grade teacher says, well, you're too late. Everything's already been explored. What if this view is true, what's aggravating to me is that even our own, not even underwater, but even our own terrestrial Earth is not known or explored uh, or understood by most people. Yeah, I completely agree. And like you talk about, you know, there's no question of uh, the whole Antarctica thing you're talking about, the UN, like that's such nonsense. And why would they make that law? Well, where my mind went is uh, the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Mountains of Madness. Like that's that's why you'd make that law. No, but what, it, tell us, tell well, us there's, there's monsters. monsters. Yeah, um, yeah, but I mean th- th- that's where I am sympathetic because you, I don't trust the government and I don't trust scientists and I don't trust NASA and I don't trust the UN. I just don't know, think the Earth is flat, but I, I like I'm with the motivation <laughs> on a lot of this stuff. So, do you want to like? I know you have some. You were going to give some evidence or reasons. Do you want to get into that? Um, where do you want to go next? Yeah. So in messaging you, I had talked about sharing perhaps the top five reasons uh, I, I, I came around to this view. Actually, that that's not entirely true. The Some of the reasons I wouldn't cover now, but these are top five, I would say, pretty easy to discuss in a format like this, reasons that, that I believe in a letter. Go, go for it. Do you want a countdown? A, a countdown would be great. It is the SFC. Number five. Number five. Well, it also would be the SFC without an honorable mention. So I'll start with an honorable mention. Uh, One, the vast difference between the Arctic and Antarctic regions. We've been talking a lot about Antarctica, um, but it is wildly different in terms of climate uh, between the Arctic and Antarctic. And it takes a little too long to unpack, so I won't hear. Um, But the observations of how the sun behaves and the differences in climate, I would say, are very difficult to reconcile on a revolving globe. But uh, number five. Well, airplanes. hang on, hang on. You gotta, oh, go you gotta yep, at least yep. pause for. I, okay. I, I like. I'm not gonna re- yep, rebut yep. in terms yep. of science, mm-hmm. but I'll yep. tell you the 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 rebuttal that popped into my head, and I, I, okay. I we'll just put it out there. Um, the climate between the top of your head and your butt is also different. Anyway, continue. That's Number five. That's true, but 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 my butt does not observe a midnight sun. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> maybe a maybe a midnight moon. <laughs> well done. Anyway, like I said, everybody, we're not going to get deep into the science, so that's a science rebuttal for you. Rebuttal. Anyway, five. Uh, Number five, airplanes. So this, I felt, was a bit of a missed opportunity on the Flat Earth Flattery SFC episode from a few years ago because this topic was touched on but immediately glossed over. But I think airplane travel is actually a pretty significant area of proof 
for a flat Earth. In fact, um, it's entirely possible that if airplane travel had been around when heliocentrism was first conceived, that it may not have gained the traction that it did. So um, really quick uh, to understand the rotating Earth, globe spins counterclockwise at a thousand miles per hour at the equator and then decreases gradually until you get to zero at the poles. So if you have the Earth rotating counterclockwise, then it would stand to reason that a flight going from west to east would be much longer because you would constantly be fighting against the rotation of the Earth. Um, conversely, east to west flights would be much shorter. But in actuality, there's negligible differences between uh, long flights. And in fact, uh, most commercial flights travel five, 600 miles an hour. They wouldn't even be able to keep up if the Earth is spinning a thousand miles per hour at the equator, equator, they wouldn't even be able to keep up with the rotation of the Earth itself. And so uh, the other, and I'm not sure where to pause for questions at all, but I'll, I'll say one other item related to this. Uh, century ago, there were cannonball tests. So you point a cannon straight up in the air, you shoot the cannonball, it would cannonball. It would stand to reason that with the rotation of the Earth, the ball would land a significant uh, distance west of where you originally shot it, when in fact the cannonball goes up in the air, falls straight back down within a couple feet of the cannon, sometimes even hitting it. Similarly, tests have been done, cardinal directions, north, south, east, west, shoot the cannon uh, ball off, and they all go the same distance, which again poses problems for an Earth's rotation. Now, that can be explained potentially by the atmosphere somehow being stuck to the part of the Earth that is rotating, but that causes problems in and of itself. If the atmosphere is rotating in conjunction with the Earth, that means it's rotating at different speeds from equator all the way up to the poles. And then also, at what point does the spinning atmosphere stop rotating in conjunction with the terrestrial Earth? If you keep going up and up and up to the upper atmosphere, it'd have to be rotating around 17,000 miles an hour, which would cause a whole lot of issues for rockets shooting up, especially that transition from the atmosphere spinning 17,000 miles an hour to the vacuum of space. And, and by the way, how is there a vacuum connected touching our atmosphere? Where does the vacuum end and the atmosphere begin? That one's, that one's a tricky one as well. So that's, that's the first. All right, before we go to number four, I want to yeah. quickly ask you a question. So the episode that we keep mentioning that we did five years ago, I can't believe it's been five years ago. It, it does. It feels like a more recent episode, but 2019, the only episode, or sorry, the only topic I remember us covering that we were very stumped on was helicopters. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And so yes. I'm going to throw it out to you as much as I remember us, our discussion, and mm -hmm. tell me your answer. We we proposed the idea, or we were just kind of questioning, what, why is it that when you go into a helicopter and just hover straight above the ground, that you can't, why can't you see the Earth rotating underneath you? That's right. <laughs> do you, is that a question that flat Earthers would ask? And do you have an answer? It it absolutely is a question flat Earthers ask, and the answer would be um, it should work, and that that you could just load up and have the earth rotate below you and then drop back down. The reason, the argument that's given for why it doesn't work is just what I was trying poorly to explain is this notion that the atmosphere from the surface of the earth all the way up to 
tens if not hundreds of thousands of feet that is all stuck in place and rotating in perfect conjunction with the the, the physical terrestrial earth itself wow. part i i mentioned some issues with that view and and one of them that i maybe didn't mention is we don't see atmosphere behaving in that uniform sort of way you can look up and see clouds just kind of slowly meandering and all manners of directions as though it were not stuck to any particular rotating part of the earth. Yeah, I don't trust um, clouds other, a bit. <laughs> what, one other quick thing before we move off of airplanes that, that I really should point out, because this is actually a big one. We talked about the no-fly zone over Antarctica and certain southern hemisphere flights and their flight paths and stopovers make absolutely no sense on a globe Earth. So the shortest distance between, say, Santiago, Chile and Sydney, Australia, uh, would be to go over Antarctica or over the Antarctic Circle. Well, it can't fly there, so that's fine. So the next shortest route would be using the southern latitude going across the South Pacific. However, 99% of flights from Santiago to Sydney don't take that route. They go seemingly hundreds of miles out of their way into the northern hemisphere, usually Los Angeles, stop over there, and then come all the way back down to Australia. Doesn't make any sense on a globe. If you look at a flat earth map, it's essentially a straight line. Uh, another similar one, so Johannesburg, South Africa, to Buenos Aires, Argentina, so southern parts of Africa and South America. You would think the shortest flight would be to go, again, straight across the South Atlantic. That's not what flights do. They stop over as far north sometimes as London. So you live in Minnesota. London is farther north than Minnesota. These flights from South Africa to Argentina will have a stopover as far north as London. Makes no sense on a globe. Starts to make sense. It's more linear when you look at a flat Earth map. Hey, you know what just struck me? In time travel movies, people's sometimes complaints are like let's think of back to the future my favorite movie the delorean travels through time and it ends up in the same place it took off from but in a different time but people say well really the earth is moving so the delorean probably just end up floating in space but if you have a flat earth if flat earth theory is correct that would also make time travel a I, lot easier. I think he's got you down to 98%. Because you here. wouldn't have to travel through time and space, just time. So my only rebuttal to this point, and then we should move the on to, that, to, to number four. No, I'm ignoring that one. Uh, my only rebuttal to this point is so my my counter arguments, that we'll get to in a couple minutes, uh, really don't have anything to do with science or proofs. But I did just decide, as I was sitting on the toilet last night, to, to look up a few um you know, just to, to sample what's out there. And the airplane, speed of airplanes, I didn't look at any details, so I'm not going to back this up with any facts, but that <laughs> airplane uh, speed arguments are used by people against the flat earth. That's all. My only point is that uh, it's like you get into the internet and, and the same piece of evidence shows up in both directions. Make of that, that what you want. Yeah. Excellent point. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll lay the cards on the table. There are countless rebuttals available online to every single point that that i'm making and part of this journey for me i'm, I'm talking about five um 
uh, topics in this episode, but you know, these and beyond, what started to happen was an accumulation effect. So I, I would be happy to dive deep into any particular rebuttal encounters and, and everything else. But uh, yes, uh, search this. And I would say, unfortunately, because of how YouTube and other social media platforms shadow ban things, you're always going to get not only the counter arguments first, but you will also get what in conspiracy circles we love to call controlled opposition. In other words, you will get often the worst version of a flatter argument before diving deeper and finding maybe a more compelling one, which in fact I think is what happened with you both when you did the Flat Earth Flattery episode, is you described a really crappy documentary laying out the arguments for Flat Earth, but it wasn't really convincing because I truly believe it wasn't intended to be convincing. Oh, you think it was counter-programming to throw people off? Yeah, I like that. I do. I think it was controlled opposition. Yeah, see, wow. I, I think he's absolutely right about that. Like, I no question that algorithms are manipulated, and, and the, 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 I mean, that's absolutely true. So people are making poorly done, silly, flat-earth documentaries to make the theory seem ridiculous? Yes. Of course. Correct. That doesn't mean it's right, but, it, it, like, obviously that happens. All right, we, we, should, we got four more to get through, <laughs> and we have a whole Iliad episode tonight, so we should keep moving. Number four. Oh, oh. Okay, uh, number four, uh, distant objects. So uh, there are hundreds of examples of islands, lighthouses, skylines, geographic features that can be seen from a great distance that, that by the given formula for the curvature of the Earth should be obscured by the curvature of the Earth. So one really famous example of this is the Chicago skyline, which can be seen 60 miles away over Lake Michigan. And if you put the distance and the height of the observer into a curvature formula, and I'm not talking on some kooky flat earth website, I'm saying established you know, scientific curvature formula calculators, uh, it shows you that the skyline should be obscured by 2,400 feet of curvature. And so there was a distance photograph taken in 2015 of this phenomenon of the Chicago skyline across Lake Michigan. And the answer at the time is, well, you're not really seeing the skyline. You're seeing uh, mirage or refraction or, or something along those lines. When in reality, you look at the photo and the skyline looks very clear. It's not wavy. It's not inverted. It looks exactly like the way you would expect it. Uh, some other examples of this are in the Hawaiian Islands. If you are on Oahu on a clear day, you can see the island of Kauai 90 miles away, and that should be obscured due to the curvature formula by close to a mile of curved water. And then in Italy, uh, if you're in Genoa on a clear day, you can see the island of Elba 125 miles away. Again, using that same curvature formula, factoring in the height of the observer should be covered by a mile and a half of curvature. So as I consider all this, my wife is certainly lobbying for a research trip to Italy and or Hawaii. Yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, this one also came up on the toilet last night in the other direction of examples of a curvature. I don't know what, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just pointing out that to the toilet research said otherwise, and I read no details beyond there. So, so these are strong rebuttals so I'm thing, making. Sorry. Yep. So one thing I'll add to that is this is a really fun one because this could actually become a DIY experiment because by the curvature formula, um, it's purported that the earth curves six feet for three miles. So after three miles, you should see six feet of curvature drop. If you live in a very flat area or can find your way to one, 
this can be pretty easily tested with lasers, with lights, with other sorts of objects, uh, you know, high-powered telescopes or, or cameras that you could see at a distance. And these experiments have been conducted multitude of times, and in each case seems to indicate that the curvature is missing, at least at those distances. Well, I think according to you, we all live in a relatively flat area. <laughs> Glad you appreciated Touché. that. Touché. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Number three, NASA. Oh, yeah, I'm here, here for this one. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. So um, perhaps the biggest and for, I would say, the majority of people, if they haven't given it much thought, but they dabble into these, these waters or wade in, would be, well, we have proof that the Earth is a ball. We, we have pictures of it. Or do we? Uh, when these pictures are studied uh, and, and analyzed, a number of curious things pop up. First, in a number of the, and these are approved NASA photographs, if you zoom in, some eagle-eyed people have spotted identical cloud formations used in the same picture, as though the Photoshop artists were copying and pasting certain uh, cloud features uh, in in. in certain regions of uh, of the ball earth. Uh, sometimes you'll even find artists leaving their fingerprints on the images that they're crafting. In one instance, uh, someone put the word sex into a cloud formation. It's pretty clear. Um, Didn't that happen in The Lion was... King? <laughs> it did, and Disney's in on it. I don't it's, trust them. Either. I don't, yeah, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. Um, Similarly, you look at pictures of the Earth over the decades and you'll notice some pretty clear inconsistencies in the relative size and even in some cases shape of the continents, which shouldn't be the case if we're taking a picture of the Earth. And, and there's one really comical example is a picture of the Earth in 2012 where North America is comically large, I would say almost 50% bigger than the same picture of the same region of the ball Earth taken uh, just a year later. Uh, so in addition to this, uh, moon landing, I mean, that's pretty well-trod uh, territory in conspiratorial circles. So I don't, I don't have to get too far down the, the rabbit trail here, but in, in general, the moon landings were, were laughably bad once you, uh, once you start to look at them closely. One thing that's happened is there's been uh, a level of sophistication in photo analysis tools that's uh, come about that weren't the case in the 60s and 70s. And once you start applying these tools to these images, a lot of oddities uh, start to happen. For one, in a famous example, if you adjust the levels on a picture of the Earth taken from the moon, you start to see a rectangular box shape around the Earth as though it were pasted in. In some pictures from the moon of the sun, the sun looks suspiciously like a stage light. And in fact, using uh, photo tools, you can even start to see the bulb in the stage light. Um, it's pretty well known that uh, in some pictures of the moon that you have shadows at different angles, um, which wouldn't be possible if the sun were the only light source. This is one of my favorite ones. So in the lunar lander, there's a picture of it ascending. It's illuminated from below. You adjust the levels, you can start to see a shadow on the ceiling, on the ceiling of space. Uh, similar, you have uh, in these photos, the same terrain is used in the backgrounds of various moon missions. Uh, in one case, there's a rock with the letter C 
carved into it. And on the dust next to it is also letter C, something that you would use in stage uh, design to maintain continuity. Um, in a couple of live interviews, uh, Buzz Aldrin himself, maybe inebriated, but nonetheless, uh, has said, we never went to the moon. He's, he said this in, in interview settings. Uh, on, uh, you can watch the videos online. Um, so th that's some of the moon stuff. Uh, when it comes to ISS spacewalks in, in general, uh, do yourself a favor and look into space bubbles at some point. Uh, if you watch some spacewalks, especially the Chinese ones are pretty funny with this. On occasion, you will see bubbles just kind of float up and rise quickly from their helmets, uh, indicating maybe these aren't actually in space. Maybe these are perhaps filmed underwater. And in fact, to further uh, perhaps corroborate that, sometimes you'll see astronauts give little flutter kicks with their legs. So they're trying to maintain uh, their buoyancy. So um, if, if I was Buzz Aldrin, yeah. let's just let's just assume for a second we did go to the moon and he yeah. he's giving interviews drunk where he says we didn't, that man yeah. is my hero. Like he, he's a great human being if he's doing that. Like that is that is one of the greatest things anybody has ever done. Ronald, I need to revisit a question I asked you earlier because I'm I'm just stumped on this. What would be yeah. the reason for the gigantic cover up? Other, I mean, you said earlier that maybe to point people away from God, but I. So do you think all the governments like that's their motivation, or could it be something else? I I don't think it has to be all the governments or all levels. I don't think um, it would actually require, contrary to what most people might assume, I don't think it would require a tremendously large number of people at all levels of government, at all levels of NASA, to potentially pull something well, like this off. Let's I put a pin in that one. Well, 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 I want to come back to that one. I just want. I, I just want to. Okay, but I just want to ask why though. What's their motivation? I don't understand if. If it was a cover-up, what is the point? Well, if, but you think the, it's the just moon, related to God, or is there more than that? Yeah, the, the moon one, uh, I think, has an easier explanation. That would be to try to, to outwit, outfox the Soviets in the space race. So that one, whether you, you're in on flat Earth, <laughs> don't blame you if, if you're not at all. But um, the moon landing hoax stuff... Uh, again, if you're waiting in those conspiratorial waters, I think there's a lot of credibility to it. And I think the rationale for that uh, could be, you know, again, out, out, uh, outwitting the Soviets. But uh, back to your question, I don't I don't think I have a better answer for the why, aside from what I stated before, which is I genuinely believe that there is anti-God forces in this world working to bring about their ends. And uh, I'll be honest, um, I this is a newish view for me. In fact, I would consider here other conspiracy theory, theories over time, and I would poo-poo them because I would have a very similar question. I would think to myself, the level of organized evil simply cannot exist the, the world most people are too incompetent for that or lazy or this or that I mean, there's a million reasons why uh this sort of organized evil wouldn't you know come about um i for a number of reasons uh, some current events included have started to rethink that position yeah and i i agree with a lot of what you're saying on this one uh i don't you know i i'm not a i don't think we faked the moon landing but 
uh, or at least I think we went to the moon. It's possible we faked the moon landing, you know, because I think it's actually very probable that they had a plan B in place, assuming we went to the moon. But you'll get no question for me that, that NASA's a mess. I mean, they're founded on the backs of Nazis and uh, Operation Paperclip and all of this. And um, it wouldn't shock me a bit if some of the quote unquote official pictures are fake simply because the real versions weren't good enough. In other words, the fact that NASA is corrupt, if not evil, points to the fact that NASA is corrupt and not evil. It doesn't necessarily point to a larger cosmological conspiracy, if you will. And again, it's the accumulation thing you were talking about. I, I get that. Like this, this is, we're looking at one piece of evidence out of many, but I think that it's more like things about NASA and the government are more about how awful NASA and the government are than they are necessarily pointing as evidence to something greater. Yep, I, I would fully agree with you on that point. And the reason I spent so much time on, on NASA in particular is because just that it is overwhelmingly the source of the biggest proof for the spinning ball. If not for NASA and photographs, I think many people would struggle truly to come up with firm, clear evidence or proofs. Well, to let's demonstrate put a pin that in that. Spinning. Put a pin in okay. that. We're going to come back to okay. that. All right. Okay. Two. I'm looking forward to it. Two, the Bible. Uh, this is the sci-fi Christian after all, so we may as well sprinkle a little Bible in. It's. I, I believe it's entirely uh, possible and, and uh, can be done to argue for a flat earth without appealing to the Bible. But uh, again, since it's a sci-fi Christian, may as well acknowledge the fact that the Bible uh, describes uh, cosmology that flat, stationary, with with the dome, with the firmament. Um, I've taken to memorizing a number of passages of Scripture in adulthood. The first one I committed to memory was Psalm 19. Again, as a stargazing nerd kid, I, I loved the opening lines, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And then it goes on to say, in which he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices to run its race. And so if you think of a tabernacle for the sun, tabernacle is a tent, the firmament is kind of this tent-like uh, structure around the earth. Uh, then Psalm 104 has another example again, out of potentially dozens. Uh, it says, the Lord stretches out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He set the earth on its foundations it can never be moved. And so not so long ago, if I were asked to interpret that passage, I would have said something along the lines of, well, it's describing the sovereignty of God and the majesty of the creator and the splendor of his creation, but it's using simplistic ancient Near East cosmology. And, you know, God was communicating in a way that his original audience could understand, but clearly it's not describing how creation actually works. But now, thanks to the SFC, and I would say <laughs> more recently, uh, some of the work that you did with Atlantis and the Midwit Trap and all that, I, I'm starting to reconsider it. As, as an example, as a kid, I believed that God flooded the earth, the whole earth. And then as a more educated adult, I started to say, well... God likely didn't literally flood the old earth. It was probably a, a regional flood event and the stories from the flood were passed on culturally and blah, 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 blah. And now 
again, thanks in some parts of the SFC, I'm back to, yeah, there was a worldwide cataclysm. And this, to me, seems potentially somewhat similar. Is it possible, in other words, that flat earth is the ultimate midwit trap? When the text says God set the earth on its foundations, it can never be moved. My knee-jerk response, I wonder, shouldn't necessarily be, oh, you simple ancient people, you, you just didn't know any better. Maybe my response is humble myself a little and recognize that perhaps the ancient world had a better understanding but, and appreciation hang on. for the heavens. If you're going to okay. cite the SFC, you've got to hear the <laughs> SFC rebuttal on this one because that's not like the position on the SFC when it comes to those ancient texts is not a choice between taking it as literal science and poo-pooing them as ancient benighted people. Like the position we've staked out uh, is actually much more dynamic than that. It's understanding those texts not in terms of ancient benighted people, but in terms of a mythological context. And I'm not going to belabor that point because I, I know y you've heard it and all of that. So um, my point there is that I, I – and I'm glad you brought this one up because I, this was going to be one of my rebuttal points is I think you've kind of gone full circle almost back to, and I'm not saying you're a young earth creationist, but it, it's like, this is sort of the same logic. The young earth creationist crowd uses looking at the Bible. So it's like, yeah, the midwit trap, maybe, but maybe there's also, and I, I certainly don't want to be calling you a midwit because I have, I actually, and I mean this very sincerely, I have enormous respect for your intellect and for the thought that you've given to this and to other issues. But if there's a midwit trap, there's also a midwit circle where you, you kind of circle back on some of the logic that, you know, at least in the SFC, if we're going to cite the SFC, the SFC is going to cite back and say that's not actually our argument. Yeah, that's okay if you're taking it and evolving it, but that's not the actual argument that we've made. Yeah, one, agree, and two, in trying to present in in a fairly quick and, and concise yeah, manner, oversimplifying, I, I, I think what I was trying to articulate is, at minimum, I've become much less inclined to simply poo-poo the wisdom of the ancients. And, and I completely agree with you on that. Completely agree. Ronald, before you get to number one, I really want to know, what do flat earthers think happened to the dinosaurs? Well, I have a <laughs> gif about that. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's it's a little unfair to lump all flat earthers uh, together in that sense. I mean, uh, the... <laughs> The uh, I've I've heard everything from dinosaurs are fake, uh, like like the moon, uh, to um, to maybe more uh, traditional views. Although it's it's really hard to I would say reconcile um, a traditional view of the development of the Earth over um, billions of years with, with the flat earth model. So I, I, so you can probably tell from the, the meandering and hesitancy in my voice. I, I truly haven't given as much thought to reconciling young earth and old earth and all those things, because I've been for pretty much the entirety of my adult life, uh, old earth, uh, person. And now I, I haven't yet put as much consideration as I, as I likely need to, or should into how to reconcile these two positions. 
So, do you personally think that dinosaurs died in a flood or from an asteroid? <laughs> well, asteroids don't exist, so I guess I have to say flood. Oh, did I miss that? I, I might have missed you saying asteroids don't well, exist. Well, how, 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 how does it get through the firmament? So, what are, what are the craters that we see? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, again, this is not an area I have dived into really deeply whatsoever, but my initial knee-jerk reaction would be evidence of some sort of cataclysm on the Earth. Um, off the top of my head, this just came to me. So let's say the firmament's real and water from above comes crashing down. Maybe that could radically alter the shape of the terra firma. That's fair enough. I did just put a nice little gif in our our team's chat here. I'll hold it up for Matt so that he can see it. All it right. shows a asteroid, um, which I apologize. This may be insensitive given what you just said, uh, striking the flat Earth, and and it begins spinning, and the dinosaurs go flying off. Kind of like a space. catapult, exactly. <laughs> All right, number one. Number one, I'll just say common sense and observation. So. The GLOBE model says we're hurtling through space at 67,000 miles an hour, spinning at 1,000 miles per hour at the equator, and that the Earth is 25,000 miles in circumference. But I would propose, one, has there been any ever indication of these emotions? Two, have you ever seen the curve, whether at an ocean side, on a beach, on a mountain? There's even amateur high-altitude balloons that go up over 100,000 feet, hundreds of miles. And if you don't use a GoPro or a fisheye lens, the horizon looks flat. And so whether you're 100,000 feet up or at sea level looking out at a flat horizon, I guess my perhaps more philosophical question would be, how many straight lines does it take to form a circle? You've also observed water. Water is always flat. Water is always level. In fact, we use water in construction. You have a level. It uses principles of water to determine level. And yet, in this one case with the planet, this is the one time water manages to curve and somehow stick to the outside of a ball spinning a thousand miles an hour. You look up at the night sky and you see constellations moving in perfect concentric circles over Polaris. If your uh, listeners aren't familiar with stargazing, Polaris is always fixed in its position in the night sky. And the stars rotate uh, in the night sky around it, again, forming perfect circles. And, and I wonder, how does that happen if we're wobbling and spinning and hurtling through the cosmos? You look and you see the sun and moon are the same size. And is that a coincidence? So one happens to be 93 million miles away and the other is 238,000 miles away and they just so happen to be identical well, sizes I mean, from our vantage point. I, I, I hate or, to contradict you, uh, but okay, the, 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 the writers of the steambook who built the moon have a very compelling answer to that question. <laughs> and you seem to just be ignoring that. Anyway, please continue. That's true. That's true. Uh, time traveling humans, which does work better in a flat Earth model, as we've established. Yes, I think that's my big takeaway, actually. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so my 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 point on this was, you know, I, it, it all started with seeing the star through the moon, which I'm still not quite sure what to make of it. Let's say proven wrong, all the flat Earth proven wrong with the simple tests that I 
uh, articulated earlier. Let's say all that goes out the window. I still to make of that phenomenon. And now, as, as I kind of close this last point, would just encourage you to consider this from the other perspective. Let's say you grew up without ever being taught that the Earth is a spinning ball around the sun. And you look up and you see the sun and moon and stars circling above you in this perfectly choreographed dance year after year, age after age, you see a flat horizon, you see flat oceans, no matter how high or low your vantage point is at the moment. And then you tell this person, well, no, you're actually on a giant water ball spinning, spinning and wobbling and hurtling through space and they would look at you like you're crazy and they would demand proof. And part of the journey I've been on is I think there is proof and I think there there is evidence. It just seems to be weighted more on one side and that is the flat earth. Wow. No, don't, don't, don't hit the music. I'm about to hit the music. No, no, don't hit the music. We got a couple rebuttal points. All right. Couple, we'll, we'll wrap it up quick. I'll go quick. But no, thank you. That That's good stuff. And and I, I hope you don't feel uh, too terribly attacked by some of the questions back and, and rebuttals because, I, like I said at the beginning, I'm not interested in the debate. It's, it's more meant to spur thought and discussion than anything else. Absolutely. And for the sake of your listeners, you are voicing questions that I'm sure they have, and, and I'm sure they have many more. And um, I, I, I don't take any offense. And in fact, I look forward to discussing in person at some point. And uh, <laughs> really, then you can let me have it. We're, we're going to need to be drunker for that. Um, so <laughs> I just have a couple of like, I'll, I'll go through these quickly. A lot of these we've already talked about. I mean, I, I had written down like, what's the motive. I think that's a big one. I do agree with you. Like if the moon landing is fake, um, and you get into the, the 20th century stuff with the Cold War, there is an obvious motive there if that stuff is faked. Um, so I completely agree with you on that. And that's why I think that even though I, I do believe we went to the moon, um, I also completely believe that NASA had a backup plan, that there was, you know, that we were going to show that we arrived at the moon, whether or not we actually got there uh, for the sake of beating the Soviets. So I agree with you there. But when you get into like the macro, what's the motivation? Um, and I also completely agree with you that there are forces uh, you know, anti-God forces. I, I just don't know that this one's the issue. But we 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 hit on that. We hit on the young Earth creationist logic a, a little bit. You know, uh, there's Occam's no fundraiser that we could cite, but I'm not going to because that guy's a buzzkill. Um, I think the two big things I want to hit on, and one of them we talked about a little bit, and it's the first one is scope. So you mentioned that there's a, a relatively small number of people that would have to be involved. And I completely disagree because it's not even just the number of people. It's let's just limit this to the last hundred years. You're talking about all sorts of different nations. You're talking about the U S and the Soviet union at the height of the cold war cooperating on this conspiracy. You're talking about India, China, other nations that have now been there. You're talking about anybody who's put a satellite into space uh, I get that NASA's corrupt, but we're talking about, you know, people who are doing the Mars rovers and all of this stuff. Like there, there's an enormous amount of people there. But maybe the coup de grace on this is the arrival of private space flight. Like among the people 
that you have to have on board with this conspiracy is none other than William Shatner himself. And if there is one man who would just love to be the whistleblower on this, it is William Shatner. And by the way, Michael Strahan, formerly of the Giants, has also been up on a Blue Origin flight. And you're not going to convince me for one second that William Shatner gets up there, sees a flat Earth, and doesn't immediately tell the entire universe about it. So your scope is is too big for a plausible conspiracy. Sure. Uh excellent point of fact when I was listening to the episode the other day in which Shatner was was uh uh, talked about being uh, seeing the earth from that vantage point I, I i did start to think about exactly that question and a couple of things come to mind first i don't think it would actually be all that difficult to convince someone they're seeing seeing curvature that's not there through the use of windows that give curvature that that falsely give a curved view of something that's flat i mean that that's just basic lenses 101 um two I think it's possible to get up at any altitude, see a flat horizon, and your brain, because of what we're taught from the youngest ages, will assume, well, the curve is just over there. You get up on the top of a mountain, you can see for dozens, if not hundreds of miles around you, and the horizon is flat, and your mind thinks, well, the curvature is just beyond that. I think it could be entirely possible that you're brought up 120,000 feet into the air, in, into low atmosphere, whatever, or high atmosphere, and see a vast expanse, more than you've ever seen before, and it could be awe-inspiring. And one, your brain could convince yourself that, yeah, the, the curve is just beyond. Or two, through use of very simple windows. By the way, airplane windows seem to, at the edges, indicate um, a bit of a curve at the end because that's how airplane windows are shaped. You could do something, not saying that airplanes are <laughs> conspiratorial. All, that all I'm saying is that yeah, all, all I'm saying is that um, that uh, manipulating through lenses what we see in a curved or straight sense is is pretty easily accomplished. That's one. The, the other thing I would add is good rebuttals both throughout and at the end. It's interesting that both you and Matt are focused on the lie part of it, which I get. I think that's an enormous hurdle to overcome with this. However, aside from the NASA images of the blue ball, I'm still hard-pressed at this moment, and I know it was my job to come prepared and yours not. I'm still hard-pressed. Uh, you know how this show works. Hear... <laughs> I'm hard-pressed to hear proof of spin or rotation well what i mean by proof though is like yeah. the and this is i'm going way out over my science limit here but when we think about like satellites you know uh, i imagine the math and the physics behind a satellite would have to be different in a spherical model versus a flat earth model mm -hmm. so, so that means that every country and every company that's ever launched a satellite and done that math is in on it and so now you're yes. talking the engineers and you're talking the designers and you're talking you know it's it's just such an enormous amount of people so so every once in a while you'll get a little news story of someone finding uh, a piece of debris or a crashed object somewhere and it's a satellite looking object attached to a high altitude balloon 
In other words, not only am I saying planets aren't real, I don't think satellites in the way they're presented to us are entirely what uh, what they're presented to be. But see, I think you're making my case here because like, it's not just the government that's launching satellites. Like, Comcast can't keep this secret. Forget William Shatner. Comcast can't do this. Like they're completely incompetent at this. And, and like, there's and if 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 the the Soviets launch Sputnik, and the United States knows that's fake, like what? I I mean I'm not saying you can't come up with a reason, but there's such a huge scope, and it gets to be such a tangled web for all the people who would have to be involved in this. It it just beggars belief after a certain point. And this is where I hate being the voice of reason because I want tell people to tell you that, yeah, they brainwashed William Shatner and <laughs> hypnotized by that the clockwork elf. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Ronald, I think you kind of brought up a good point here. Maybe this isn't exactly the point you're making, but I, I, I was just struck by something. The biggest argument I have against the flat, flat Earth theory is just the conspiracy element like why would this happen but the other facts are saying i mean i don't have because ben and i aren't trained scientists in this area i don't have a lot of rebuttal when it comes to some of the science you're saying i think it's intriguing like that helicopter thing we keep joking about i'm interested in that no i completely agree so i yeah so my biggest argument is more around the conspiracy element your science might be on, man. I, th- I think you got him down to 97. <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't converted. I guess I'm just trying to say I I can't necessarily prove it because yeah. I've never been in space. Exactly. I'm not a scientist. You're not William Shatner. Yeah, I just believe what they tell us to believe. So my the second rebuttal point um, th- that uh, I want to throw out there, this will be the last one, is I actually was thrilled that you brought up the Ancient Civilizations Atlantis episode a number of times in here. Because this is my kooky reverse card. This is like the Uno reverse card. Mm -hmm. I'm going to slam it down on you right here uh, Mm -hmm. in in true uh, friendly style. Uh, If you dig into like Graham Hancock's work uh, around ancient civilizations. Yes. Absolutely. Like things like the pyramids speak to the circumference of the earth. That's part of the compelling evidence is that the this alleged golden age and i say alleged but i actually do believe in this uh represents cultures that seemingly would have been representing a cosmology that is of a round world in other words yes we have ancient near eastern cosmology the biblical cosmology and that certainly is exactly what you're describing a flat earth but it's the the exception, not the norm, not just in modern times, but throughout ancient and potentially very ancient history, that there's this belief in a globe. Um, Augustine talks about it in uh, City of God, uh, for example. You know, and so it's it's not a new belief that just emerged. This is the default throughout most of human history. And indeed, in Graham Hancock's work, he talks about how these ancient civilizations, part of what is so compelling to us that there's something more there, is that they seem to have calculated what would be evidence of a spherical model in times when they shouldn't have been able to do that. So my my reverse card here in kooky Christmas, my kooky reversal is you're sacrificing 
the greatest conspiracy that I think is actually true for the sake of a lesser one that I don't find as compelling evidence for. Tremendous uh, kooky reverse and uh, kind of stole my thunder to a degree because I would consider this, if true, the flat earth, the mother of all conspiracies. But you you already <laughs> elevated this this other above it. And, and I can't entirely disagree. I, I did anticipate uh, this potential rebuttal. And I'll be honest, I, I have not uh given it as much consideration as maybe the um other uh uh you know evidence uh, evidences that, that i presented yeah, and i want to i want to give you a little cover here because this is the yeah. problem with debates is like oh he didn't have an answer therefore he's wrong well that's no like that doesn't actually prove anything it just proves that you haven't thought through it like and so you, you know i'm going to uh of course, declare victory, but uh, uh, then also <laughs> give you a little bit of cover with that. As far as like the mother of all conspiracies, let me just speak to that because I, I, I this way we bring the episode full circle. So we began this, and we've had some some fun discussions here, um, but we began this by saying like it doesn't actually matter if somebody you know is a flat earther, and the part of why is that I think the stakes on this are relatively low compared to other conspiracies. As a comparison. If we live in a simulation, it throws everything into question. Everything you believe, everything, every religion, every the way you think about yourself and, and whether or not you even exist in a meaningful way, like that's huge. If we live in a simulation, everything changes. If we live in a flat earth, you know what you're going to do tomorrow? You're going to wake up, you're going to go to work, and you're going to put food on the table. It just, that table might look a little flatter than it did the day before. Like, that's <laughs> it. And I'm not trying to poo-poo something that you're interested in and obviously have a lot of passion for. I'm just saying, like, for people, take it down a notch in terms of, like, acting like this is the worst thing anybody could ever believe. Because it's not. Anyway, I want to give you the last word as our guest. Oh, boy. Um just want to say how much I appreciate both of you. This conversation was super fun. As you might expect, I don't really have at the moment an opportunity to really dive deeply into this topic with other thoughtful thinking, maybe mildly interested people. As I said before, I'm, I'm hoping to continue this conversation uh, at, at another point uh, in person. Um, but uh, I just so appreciate you. I, I mentioned thinking or maybe tongue in cheek blaming uh, how you both have served such a significant role in helping to shape my thoughts and viewpoints over time and whether you created a monster because of it uh time will tell but um again the the show is the best i, I appreciate you both as as podcasters and friends and i, I thank you for this opportunity uh, likewise you know you mentioned creating a monster i feel a little bit like dr frankenstein and i'm watching the monster maul a, a, a village of innocent people and i'm horrified but also kind of proud. Also kind of <laughs> proud. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us. Ronald, thank you so yes, much. Yes, thank you. That was a lot of fun. For opening it up and sharing that with us. But for now, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. And I am Ben DiBono. And that's Ronald, who will remain anonymous. <laughs> and uh, we're the Cybergers signing off. Yes. Goodbye, everyone. Ronald, if you don't mind, I think it would be great to invite the listeners to send in any questions. And maybe we can have you back. 
uh, to answer some of these questions. I'd be happy to. Again, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. I don't pretend to be an expert. Been just kind of, you know, wading into these waters. So, but, but yeah, if uh, that's an opportunity, well, I, I think it sounds like a lot of fun. You did become the Sapphire Christian expert on I the flat work. earth. So, so <laughs> listeners, let us know your questions at feedback at the But for now, so long, folks. <laughs>